Let's start with prayer. There is a, a verse in the book of Psalms um, 20, and it says this. It says that some trust in horses and chariots. And I kind of thought, what does that mean? Because I don't know about you, but I didn't come here by horse or chariot. <laughs> what does it mean to trust in horses and chariots? And I looked into it a little, and it talks about some trust in human power and the way that power is outworked. You know, it was when they would go to war, as a sense of power, they would have horses and chariots to kind of put the opposition off. And you can imagine the sound of horses' hooves kind of pounding on the earth. It was to set fear and human authority trying to install that and manipulate that. So some trust in horses and chariots, but we, now join me if you're part of the we, but we trust in the name of the Lord. We trust. If you trust in the name of the Lord, say so. I need you to be louder than that because the horse's hooves are louder than that. So if you trust in the name of the Lord, say so. If you trust in the name of the Lord, say so. Jesus, say so. Do you know, I had this, I had this picture me so much for not getting carried away goodness only two minutes in guys right I had this picture of this huge crowd kind of like this and I was kind of in the midst of the crowd and Jesus was way ahead and was trying to get his attention and I was like cooey over here over here will you see me until you use his name there's something powerful about using someone's name. The moment I said Jesus, he turned and looked. Because when you use somebody's name, it means you are familiar with them. You know them. Have you ever met somebody who clearly knows you, but you don't know them? And you're like, oh, have we met? Like, you're trying to think, do they look like a Joe? Do they look like a... <clears throat> But when you know someone's name, when you know someone's name, it means you're familiar. It means you're familiar. It means there's a connection that even in a crowd, you can connect. You just have to whisper his name, I believe, and he hears you. That's why we trust in the name of the Lord. Is that you today? Father, some trust in horses and chariots. But as for me and my house, as for us and this family, we trust in the name of the Lord. Jesus, would you prepare our hearts would you see us amongst many? Prepare our minds and our hearts and our spirits and our body to hear from you today so that we may be victorious in you. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate that. <coughs> Guys, 
I'm not going to give voice to the enemy. I'm not going to give voice today to fear. Because to be honest, it is way too loud as it is. So I'm going to come here today because the series we're speaking in is called Jesus. That's why you've got to know it's important that you know his name. You know, when I thought to myself, why do we always say in the name of the Lord? Or, you know, why do we trust in the name? Because the name summons up and evokes all the authority, all the character and attributes of God. And so this series, when we talk about Jesus, that summons up all the nature of who he is. And it also connects us to him in a very personal and real way. We looked at last week. Give me a wave if you were here last week. Thank you so much for all your messages that people say really helped them. We started this series off by believing and understanding the truth that we need to put Jesus first so that everything is blessed, so that we can stand firm, so that we can be true followers of Jesus, so we can be changed by him and do the things he does. We have to put him first. But we looked at the real enemy. I mean, I bought Calpol. Who knew I would need it so soon? Um, to put Jesus first, we had to acknowledge the enemy of fear. And that very often we have the head decision, the heart decision to put him first, but practically that takes a little while to outwork. Why? Because we wrestle with the enemy of fear. And fear constantly tells you, constantly really wrestles and challenges the authority of God. And today, I want to talk about faith, because that's the thing that we're going to put over fear. So fear has a language. Fear has a language that challenges the authority of God. And we looked at that response, that it was fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Do you remember we looked at control and everybody went, ouch, right? Well, good news. Faith has a language. Faith's language trusts the authority of God. And it also has a response. It has a response of trust that looks like truth, love, power, and consistency. These are the building blocks of trust. Because the only thing I want you to really get into your heart and into your mind is know that your faith has a language called trust. Trust is the language of faith. And so how do we become eloquent in trusting God in, those, in that language of our faith? Let me just give you a little understanding. Faith and trust are not the same thing. They're very close, very similar, very closely linked, but they're not the same. In Hebrews 11, it says that faith is about an assurance, a conviction, right? of who Jesus is. And faith, by the way, is a gift. The reason it's a gift is so that no one can boast. Because you don't get to have faith because you're just super good. Because you earned it, because you work. So that's not how you get faith. Faith is a gift from God through his grace so that we are all equal. But as a response to our faith, 
we trust. As our faith is our foundation, we build a life. I, I honestly, I, I want to read this scripture, and it's in Deuteronomy 7, 9. And I want us to just slowly go through these lines. So if, if you want to get it up on your phone, you can. I'll just repeat it for you. It's in Deuteronomy 7, 9. If you've got your Bibles with you, please get it out. Fold the page so you can go back to it or on your phone. But when I said that trust has these four components of truth, of love, of power, and of consistency, I want us to just study the scripture so that we can see these four components there. Because I don't want you to think that this is just a good idea. Don't want you to think that this just sounds good. I have sat at the feet of God and asked him to equip me so that I could equip you. So that when fear comes knocking, we could have a faith that has such a trustful response and we would know the building blocks. So if our trust was broken or weak, we would know how to repair. We would know how to heal. We would know how to grow in our strength, in our trustful response. And so let's just look, because I believe trusts have these four things. So in Deuteronomy 7, 9. Now therefore, that, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. That's talking about him being all-powerful. His name being above every name. The Lord your God, he is God. He is ruler of all. That's who he is. So he is all powerful. That's why we can trust him. And it says he's faithful. He's a faithful God who keeps his covenant. That means he's true to his word. What he says, he does. Okay, so he's truthful. That's why we can trust him. And then it says, and he's steadfast in his love. His love doesn't wax or wane. It doesn't, it's not strong one day and weak the next. His love is consistent. He loves you. And this is not as we love one another. This is a divine love. His steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. I love this bit. To a thousand generations. That talks about the steadfast, the consistency of God. I don't know about you, but I make a plan today and I'm like, right, I'm going to have breakfast at this time. I'm going to have this and I'm not going to have refined sugars. By Friday, <clears throat> talk about thousand generations. He is consistent to a level that you and I can barely comprehend. He can say a hundred different things. They don't contradict one another. They fit together. His word stands the test of time. I was thinking about what do you and I trust in? Because we trust the things we feel are trustworthy, right? So I thought about cowpole, okay? Put your hand up if you've ever taken cowpole as a child. So you, or as an adult, because genuinely it tastes good, doesn't it? So <laughs> have you ever had cowpole? Put your hand up, and I want you to keep it up for me, if you've ever had cowpole. Hi, 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 so everyone can see. Put your hand up if you've ever given cowpole to a child. 
Okay, keep your hand up, both things. Just for the sake of those listening online, I don't, there's probably 80% of people with their hands up. So cowpole, thank you, you can put your hands down, which I might take partake of, is really a trustworthy product. We trust it. We trust it to give it to our children, those we love most dear. Why do we trust it? Because we believe what it says on the box it contains inside. We believe it is what it says it is. So I don't give cowpole to my child thinking I'm actually giving them, I don't know, alcohol. I believe if it says it's got paracetamol on the box, it's got paracetamol inside. It's consistent. If I buy this box, the next box I buy will be the same. We believe it's good. We believe it is powerful. It does what it says it will do. Okay, so it's true. It is what it says it is. It's powerful. It does what it says it will do. We also believe it's good. It tastes amazing, guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> if it, I mean, I do have adult children, and they all go, I wish I was still old enough to have cowpole. And they do another version that's for six plus, and it's not as good as this. I'm just telling you. This is the, this is the stuff. So it's good for us. It does us good, <clears throat> and it's consistent. I was thinking about what do you and I generally think is untrustworthy. Now, I'm not going to go into politics. <laughs> no, no. But generally speaking, people mistrust politicians. They mistrust politicians. Why? Well, they're not always truthful. What they say isn't always accurate, right? Across the board, you know, we'll see... I'm not saying every single politician, but it's a, it's a large part of the narrative of why people don't trust politicians. Because they'll say something, and weeks and months later, it's not quite what they said. They don't always do what they say they'll do. We see a misuse of power, a misuse of trust, and there's certainly not consistency. We only have to look at our own politics here in the UK to know that there hasn't been consistency in our leadership. So we mistrust that. Thank God that he stands the test of time. Thank God that his majesty, his rule is above all. That he is true. That he is all powerful. That he is all good. And he is consistent in it. Well, have any of you ever seen the film, He's Just Not That Into You? Give me a wave if you've seen this film. <clears throat> right, well, in this film, I want to prove to you that God is just that into you, by the way. But in this film, he's just not that into you. There is a girl who just doesn't have a lot of luck dating. And a guy says he'll ring, and he doesn't. Okay? And then there is a series of friends who try and explain the fact of why this guy hasn't called her. Okay, and so one friend would go and say, you know, he's not called because he's intimidated by you. And she's like, I'm meant to feel really good about that. Or he's just not called because, you know, his gran has been suddenly rushed into hospital and he's just not been able to get near a phone. And so she's like, you know, encouraged by that, you know, maybe he'll phone when he can. And so another friend will say he's not phoned because, you know what, he's just not ready for a relationship. But when he is, you will be the first he rings. And they just go through 
through a whole list of things of why he hasn't called. The fact is, he hasn't called. That's the fact. But how we interpret facts, depending on your viewpoint, depending on your motive, depending on your understanding, can change. And that's why we are in serious trouble when we look at the facts of our life and we try and explain it through our own understanding. In Proverbs, if we look at Proverbs 3, 5, 6, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your straight, straight your paths. Very often, we struggle to trust God because we don't understand. We don't understand why our relative got sick. We don't understand why we got hurt. And we think maybe he's not all-powerful. Maybe he's not all good because the facts of my life challenge those things that I feel like I know of God. And I'm just saying to you, you don't have to understand God for it to be true. His truth surpasses everything. It stands the test of time. I believe as you prayerfully go before God and you ask him to speak to you, that often he can help you to understand. And sometimes you just have to acknowledge that you don't understand and know that it's a mystery of Christ. You don't understand, but one day you will, and you're not going to lean on your interpretation of the facts, but you're going to trust in who he is. I, honestly, I couldn't do a message about trust and not talk about disappointment. Because I think it's one of those things that really challenges our trust when trust, particularly when trust is broken or things haven't worked out like we thought they would. And then I, I want to trust you. I believe you're true. I believe you love me. I believe you're all powerful. But the fact is this happened. And you know, for a long time that was me and I never spoke to God about it because I love him. And I didn't know how to marry up the two of what I'd gone through and who he is. And, but I didn't speak to him about it. The moment I sat with him and I was truthful about how I felt, this invisible wall that had been between me and him started to crumble. And he started to minister to my heart. And he brought me peace. In the book of Isaiah, it says that when we trust God, the gift he gives us is peace. So some of those questions still are there. But I have a peace that he is God and he is who he says he is. And that doesn't change just because of something I've gone through. In fact, it holds me up. In fact, it sustains me. I want to encourage you in your relationship with God or in your relationship with your loved ones, be truthful. My husband and I, when we just got married, one of the things that we built our family on is we say the unsayable, right? That was the kind of a line that we said and promised each other. 
because we never wanted anything that we swept under the carpet. We wanted to have a trust in each other that we could say the very difficult things so that no invisible walls were built between us and believed and trust each other to deal with that truth responsibly. Why not try and be more truthful in love so that we can build in this trust of one another? You know, when we look at the building block of trust being power. Now, I think, honestly, when it comes to relationships, we can only trust someone if we've entrusted them with something. Yeah? And some of you are going, I want to grow in my trust, but you are controlling everything and not giving them room to actually pick something up. How can you exercise trusting the authority of God unless you've entrusted him with something? Maybe a hope, maybe a desire. Have you entrusted your children to God? Have you entrusted your marriage to God? Or are you still trying to be the glue? I don't know about you, but I get tired at times. I get irritated at other times. But God, he's consistent. His authority is consistent in every single season. If you want to grow in trust, we need to receive the love of God. This divine love that 1 Corinthians speaks, 1 Corinthians 13 speaks about. It says it believes all, it hopes for all, it bears with all, it's kind, it's patient, it forgives. You know, Matthew 18 is the story of, it's called the unforgiving servant, it's like a parable. And Jesus is basically saying there's the servant who owed a lot of money to his master. And he was forgiven everything and his debts were cleared. And so the servant went away free. And then a friend came up to him who owed the servant money. And the servant was harsh and demanded the money. And when the, when the master heard that, he was sad. And what I'm saying is we have received the gift of love, a gift that forgives, a gift that doesn't keep a record of wrong, that's slow to anger, that's kind and patient. I wonder if you would ask yourself the question, what have I received that I need to give so that trust may thrive in my relationships? And finally, when it comes to consistency, how can you model the consistency of God in your world? Guys, I'm... I'm passionate about your marriages. We as a team, as a church, as a faith community, we want to see your marriages thrive. We want to see you thrive as parents and as family units and as friends. And for that to happen, we have to grow in our trust. For faith to be above fear, we have to grow in our trust, in our trust of who He is, and then extend that trust to one another we're not perfect we will get it wrong that's why we need his love that's why we need his forgiveness 
That's why we need His consistency that we model our lives on. That's why it's His authority that speaks in our relationships louder. Guys, you can take my notes. Would you stand with me as we pray? And we're going to worship. We're going to pray. And we're going to exercise our trust. We're going to exercise our faith. You know, this, the, the, the Bible is, tr- it's the Word of God. It's trustworthy. I had about 20 odd verses I wanted to share today. But the time is short, but I want you to get a hold of your Bible and start to read it because it is the Word of God and it is trustworthy. It talks about how love casts out fear. It talks about how a wise man built his house on a rock. And even though it rains, he still stands because he's on the foundation of who God is. Father, today, Lord, where we need to, where truth needs to be spoken so we can experience real freedom, I pray that you would give us the courage to ask you, Lord, what do you say about this situation? I pray that we would have the courage to sit with your truth and ask, how does it need to impact how we're living and in our relationships? I pray that we would humble ourselves to your will and to your truth. Father, I pray that when it comes to power and your authority, that we would submit to it. Where in your life do you need to model the truth, the trustworthiness, the consistency, and the love of God so that others may come to know Him as you and I do? We're going to sing now, and I, I pray with all my heart that as you worship, that faith would grow louder and louder and louder in your heart. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the King because we call upon His name.